Thanks for tuning in. One of the things that makes Outcasting and its related programming possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at outcastingmedia.org and click on support to make your tax-deductible contribution. Thanks. Hello and welcome to The Game Show, Outcasting's LGBTQ game show where we discuss the news, LGBTQ facts, and more. The format is very simple. Each contestant has prepared three questions on three separate topics and will take turns posing and discussing these questions with the other contestant. The person who correctly answers the most questions or cracks the best jokes is the official Outcasting Supreme Leader of LGBTQ Facts and Puns. This edition of Outcasting's game show is a smackdown between Rose and me, Isha. Hi Rose, how are you? I am doing pretty good. Ready, ready to get this competition going. How are you doing? I'm doing well too. I'm really excited. So Rose, why don't you get us started? Okay. For a long time, homosexuality was seen as a mental illness, something that had to be cured. One such cure was conversion therapy, which meant trying to turn gay people into straight people. It eventually became clear that this was not only difficult or impossible to achieve, but also potentially damaging to gay people. There were several medically accepted treatments in those days. Which of the following was not one of them? Was it A. Giving gay people a lobotomy, B. Solitary confinement, C. Electroshock therapy, or D. Dipping gay people into ice baths? Hmm. I watched American Horror Story, and in one of the seasons, they were in a mental institution, and it was set in the 20th century, like in the early 1900s, and one of the characters was lesbian, so she was in the mental institution, and I think I remember that solitary confinement, electroshock therapy, and dipping gay people into ice baths were all some of the treatments or the said treatments that they used, so I think I'm going to go with A, giving people a lobotomy was not one of the treatments for being gay. That's a very good guess, but the correct answer is actually solitary confinement. Oh my god, really? So that means giving gay people lobotomies was allowed? That is correct. And in case you didn't know, a lobotomy is a surgical removal of part of the brain. And it was used to turn a gay person into a straight person, thinking that if you remove a certain piece, it automatically changes who they're attracted to. Which also means that electroshock therapy and submerging people into ice baths were both allowed too. And they were forms of aversion therapy, which is a type of therapy where you rewire a human's brain to make them think negatively of something they previously thought was positive. An example of this could be when you touch a hot pan, you get burnt, and you're not likely to touch a hot pan again because you don't want to get burnt. This is somewhat similar to how gay people were treated, just as simple kind of experiments that people could play around with, and it was very dehumanizing and not safe. Wow, this is super shocking. I mean, science in general in the 20th century was just insane. Like, there were all these, like, random concepts in all realms of science, especially in the medical field. So it's no surprise that they would have kind of these weird treatments that they thought would work for being gay. And it's interesting to see how being gay was viewed as a disease. And I know that it was, like, up until relatively recently where being gay wasn't seen as a psychological condition or, like, a mental issue that could be treated. And so... I'm just really surprised the scientists thought that there was a surgery where they could kind of remove this part of your brain, which determined that you were gay or not. And I'm just very curious to know, like, what part of the brain exactly is this and, like, why they thought that this part of your brain specifically would make you gay. 
Yeah, that's definitely interesting to think about. And another thing is you'd think that conversion therapy nowadays would be completely gone. And it is banned in a number of states, but those bans only reach medical professionals, which means they don't ban religious conversion therapy. So still, in some places today, like even in the United States, conversion therapy is still being used. That's super scary to know that there are still people that think like that today and think that you can change someone for being gay because because no one chooses to be gay. It's just kind of the way that you're born. And so even though we like to think that being gay was thought as a medical condition in the 20th century, there's still many people that think of being gay as that like even today. Okay, Rose, so let's move on to my first question. Okay. A bill recently passed in Tennessee requiring trans students and faculty to use bathrooms or locker rooms that match the gender they were assigned at birth, not the gender they identify with. This new law requires that schools must provide another designated space in the building for students who do not use the facilities. What does the bill say should happen if students of what it calls the opposite sex come into contact with each other in a communal bathroom or changing area? And in this context, it seems that coming into contact may mean nothing more than they are in the same room. Is it A, the school would be banned for a year in having its sports teams compete in interscholastic sports? B, the school's funding to support interscholastic sports would be reduced by $1,000 for each offense. C, families can sue the school for all psychological, emotional, and physical harm that comes from this contact. Or D, the school would be required to teach all students very clearly about the sex binary. In other words, that all people are either male or female, there's no in-between, and that that's determined and assigned at birth. Well, I don't think it's A because... That doesn't exactly seem related to the law, and I don't really think B for the same reason. So I'm kind of torn between C and D because they both seem very possible. But I'm going to go with C because I feel like a lot of the parents who are really transphobic have strong opinions about this and would not want their child near a trans kid because they like have such harmful views. So I'm going to go with C. Ding, 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 you are right. The answer is C. Families can sue the school for all psychological, emotional, and physical harm that comes from this contact. You know, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be that answer, but to be honest, all of the answer choices seem really harmful to trans youth. But I think it's especially bad because if you were in the position of a trans kid trying to use a bathroom or locker room, and because someone saw you going into the room that of the gender that you identify with and like somehow that psychologically harms them I feel like just like you being yourself harming someone psychologically seems so damaging and like it could cause a lot of insecurity and even self-hatred yeah I definitely agree and it seems like this act only cares about the psychological emotional and physical harm for cis students but doesn't care about trans students and how they feel that's a really good point And I think with a lot of these laws, they're not taking the feelings of the trans youth into consideration at all. Yeah, definitely. And the governor of Tennessee who signed this bill, his name is Bill Lee, he also signed two more bills that targeted LGBTQ youth. So one of these bills was limiting trans youth to play on sport teams, and another bill required schools to give a 30-day notice to parents before any lesson about sexual orientation or gender identity so that parents may opt out from the lesson. That's really awful to hear, especially about someone like 
in such a position of power who has a great influence on these kids saying these and making these laws that are really damaging it's going to cause a lot of problems i just think that it's so sad that these innocent children are being targeted by elected officials even though they haven't done anything wrong and are just trying to be who they are i agree And one of the other bills that I had mentioned, which was the bill of requiring schools to give a 30-day notice to parents before any lesson about sexual orientation and gender identity, really reminds me of something that's going on at the elementary schools in my district, because parents have the options to opt out their children from LGBTQ speakers. And I think a big issue with that is that by not letting your children listen to LGBTQ speakers, you're effectively not really doing anything except harming your children and people in the community. Because it's not like LGBTQ people don't exist if you don't want them to listen to these speakers. LGBTQ people will still continue to exist. And for all you know, your children could be part of that community. And so I just don't think that these parents are really considering all the harm that they're doing by opting out of lessons. Yeah, I agree. And I had no idea that was happening so locally, which is really disturbing to hear. And I think it's also like... If you're telling your kid, like, you don't have to go to this lesson, we don't believe in this thing, they're going to grow up believing that because they're not going to get the exposure to this LGBTQ representation. And without the exposure, they're not going to grow and form their own opinion. So it's just kind of an endless cycle that's really damaging. Yeah, and in an ideal world, we would like to think that our generation will be super pro-LGBTQ people. But the thing is that that's just the people that we tend to surround ourselves with. We don't know what other people think, and there are plenty of people in our generation who I'm sure would be anti-LGBTQ, and so that's just super discouraging. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. So, Rose, you have one point and I have zero. Oh, I guess you'll have to catch up on this next question. So, Isha, bullying is a terrible thing that no one should undergo, especially at a young age where emotional and mental developments are still fragile. Continuous bullying could have lasting negative impacts on mental health. Recently, Metro Weekly reported that a 12-year-old boy named Riley Hadley from southwestern England was questioning his sexuality and being bullied. He was actually being homeschooled because he was afraid to go to school. What did this bullying and harassment lead to? Was it that A. He dropped out of school B. He committed suicide C. He got seriously injured in a physical fight with his bullies Or D, he created a GSA at his school to support his peers who were getting bullied. As much as I don't want it to be true, I think that the answer is B, he committed suicide, just because that whenever we hear these stories in the news, it's never really anything positive and it tends to be when someone is finally pushed over the edge and commits suicide just because they've been bullied so much and harassed so much by their peers. And so yeah, my final answer is B, he committed suicide. Yes, unfortunately, that is the right answer. And something I want to talk about is how LGBTQ students are more at risk for suicide and depression. The Human Rights Campaign reports that 73% of LGBTQ youth have experienced verbal threats because of their actual or perceived LGBTQ identity. 70% have been bullied at school because of their sexual orientation. And according to the Trevor Project, LGBTQ youth represent as much as 40% of the homeless youth population as a result of family rejection, discrimination, criminalization, and a host of other factors. And lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are almost five times as likely to have attempted suicide compared to heterosexual youth. 
I think we always hear about how LGBTQ people are more likely to have mental health issues because of homophobia and transphobia, but I think that when you put it into statistics and really have like the numbers right there, it just makes it all the more shocking. And I thought that this story of Riley Hadley was really interesting because he was only 12 years old. That means that he wasn't even a teenager, and that just shows how much homophobia and transphobia can affect such a young person. I agree completely. And actually, one of our outcasters, Justin, was bullied when he was a little younger. He did an outcasting overtime about that, and you can hear it on our website, outcastingmedia.org. So now, Isha, I have a question for you. If you were a parent and you had to handle a situation where your child was dealing with issues of gender and sexual orientation, for example, if your child was closeted, would you be a more proactive parent or would you wait for your child to come out slowly on their own? By proactive, would you mean asking them if they want to talk to me? Yes, that's what I mean. I think that I would give them their own space, but let them know that if they ever want to talk about sexual orientation or gender identity, that I'm always there for them. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good approach. And I think navigating these waters for parents can be a little tricky because you want to show your child that you love and support them no matter what. But on the other hand, you don't want to You don't want them to feel any pressure to come out of the closet, and you don't want to force anything on them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Okay, so let's move on to my second question. Okay. Asexuality is the lack of sexual attraction to others, and we did a two-part outcasting series on asexuality. It's also on our website, outcastingmedia.org. What is one of the most common misconceptions about asexuality? Is it that A, only women can be asexual? B. Asexuality passes with time. C. Asexuality is often viewed as a phase, joke, or personality flaw. Or D. Asexuality is a mental disorder that can be fixed with treatment. Oh, this is really hard because I feel like all of them could be misconceptions. But I think one of the most common ones maybe could be D. That asexuality is a mental disorder that can be fixed with treatment. Unfortunately, I hate to break it to you, but you are wrong. The answer is C. Asexuality is often viewed as a phase, joke, or personality flaw. There goes my streak. I honestly did not think it would be that one because it really doesn't make sense to me that someone would believe that someone else would be joking about their sexuality. And it's like, it's the kind of thing where like, why would someone lie about that? And why would people think that someone would lie about that? It's kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I definitely agree. And a lot of people don't realize that a lack of a sexuality is a sexuality in itself. And maybe it's because people don't really understand the concept of asexuality because they've never felt it. Yeah, I agree. And I think since it's also a sexuality that isn't talked about a lot, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are asexual but don't actually realize it because... It is viewed as like a phase. So another outcaster in our group actually mentioned to me once that when they were in a health class, they had one of their fellow classmates bring up to their teacher asexuality because they identified as asexual and wanted to learn more about it. And the health teacher pretty much dismissed it entirely and said that when you're older, you will start to feel these feelings for people. And I think that's a really big problem is like these people who are in education don't understand it and aren't always willing to learn. Yeah, I think that especially health teachers should be super educated on the LGBTQ community and like sexual orientation and gender identity. So it's super concerning to know that someone's health teacher literally dismissed them 
for expressing their own feelings and the way that they felt. I agree. I think we can also draw parallels between how bisexuality and asexuality are viewed. Even within the LGBTQ community, a lot of people don't view asexuality and bisexuality as real sexualities. I think that this is super invalidating to people who identify as bi or ace just because that the LGBTQ community should be a place where you can find comfort in your sexuality. That's definitely a really good point you bring up. I think I think there are a lot of parallels actually. Like I feel like both of these sexualities are somewhat common, but a lot of people don't know they identify as it or don't even know it exists. I think people are like, yeah, no, I definitely I feel that way, but it's not like a real thing. It's just like a, a small little feeling that I push down. So I think that's another reason why people are so adamantly against it. Yeah, so a lot of times when a man comes out as bi, a lot of people see that as a stepping stone as coming out to being gay. And when a woman comes out as bi, a lot of people react by saying, oh, well, you just haven't met the right man or see it as a woman trying to gain attention. And when someone comes out as asexual, a lot of people would just react by saying, oh, you haven't met the right person There's no way you feel like that. And so that's just super invalidating because these are very real sexualities. I agree. And I think that's a very interesting thing to think about and consider when talking about sexualities. So Rose, you have one point and I have one. We're tied. Let's go into your next question. Okay. So Isha, you may not know this. A lot of people don't. But Chick-fil-A is a company that is really an anti-LGBTQ company. Recently, according to an article in LGBTQ Nation, Chick-fil-A started limiting the number of sauce packets it handed out to its customers, and a number of right-wing figures had something to say about it. What did they say was the cause of the Chick-fil-A sauce shortage? Did they say it was caused by A. A supply chain problem, B. The coronavirus pandemic, C. A raid by gay people rebelling against Chick-fil-A's homophobia, or D. President Biden? I mean, it's definitely not funny that Chick-fil-A is an anti-LGBTQ company, but I think that there is humor in the fact that a number of right-wing figures are super concerned over a sauce packet shortage. Um, So I think I'm going to eliminate A, a supply chain problem, and B, the coronavirus pandemic, just because I feel like maybe they want to either blame the new presidency or gay people as an anti-LGBTQ company, I think I'm just going to have to go with C, a raid by gay people rebelling against Chick-fil-A's homophobia. That is a really good guess, and I think it would be pretty interesting if that did happen. But the correct answer is actually D, President Biden, which is also kind of amusing to think about, like, you know, Biden is responsible for the sauce shortage. And I think it really shows like what some right-wing figures will say because they want attention and to stir things up. Yeah, no, I think it's really funny that these right-wing figures think that President Biden really has time to sit around and create this national sauce shortage because President Biden definitely has nothing better to do during a pandemic. And like what is so special about these sauces? I've never tried Chick-fil-A because I don't agree with their politics, but like How good do the sauces have to be that a shortage would cause this much unrest? I think that this is just like super telling about people and their priorities. I'm sure you can find sauce somewhere else. Or like maybe make it yourself. That could be fun. Yeah, a little DIY. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
I feel like I always see TikToks about people like recreating McDonald's sauce and like it doesn't seem that hard. Like you could do it with Chick-fil-A. If you really put your mind to it and believe in yourself, anything is possible. Yeah, and I've heard that Walmart sells a really good dupe to Chick-fil-A sauce. So if you really want to have Chick-fil-A but don't want to support their actions, maybe head over to Walmart. But don't go to Chick-fil-A. They're homophobic. Indeed. So now let's move on to my final question. It's even more from Tennessee. Oh. (laughs) A law was enacted that bans puberty blockers and hormonal treatment for transgender youth. Trans pre-teenagers and teenagers will often take puberty blockers and undergo hormonal treatment to prevent their bodies from developing the mature characteristics of their biological sex. What was the reason given when Tennessee's governor, Bill Lee, signed the bill banning puberty blockers? Was it A, that puberty blockers contain chemicals that are too hazardous to young brains, B, that puberty blockers are too expensive to manufacture and administer, C, that puberty blockers are irreversible and do more damage than benefit, or D, that puberty blockers are ineffective? Okay, well, I don't think it's A because I haven't really heard anything about that, and I don't think it's B because I've seen a lot of people uh, commenting on how expensive it is to buy puberty blockers because a lot of trans people have to pay out of their own pocket because it isn't always covered by insurance agencies. So I don't think that's really something that it would affect Tennessee. And C definitely seems possible. And D, I feel like a lot of what I've heard about the treatment of trans youth in Tennessee is pretty negative. So I'm guessing puberty blockers being ineffective is something they wouldn't necessarily care about. So I'm going to go with C, that they're irreversible. Wow, you are really good at this game. The answer is C. Puberty blockers are irreversible and do more damage than benefit. You know, I really did think it was that one, and it is also disturbing to think because, like, it really doesn't seem like these states are thinking about the best benefits for the trans children. They're thinking about more how, as we were talking about before, how it affects the cis children. Something I was wondering, like, is it true? Are puberty blockers irreversible? No, that is actually a common misconception about puberty blockers, and puberty blockers are actually reversible. But a lot of people just try to make a problem that doesn't exist, and they kind of blow it out of proportion and make it seem like puberty blockers create irreversible damage. That's upsetting to hear, but it does make a lot of sense in these states that are so anti-trans. And I think to go along with it doing more damage than benefit... I think that's completely untrue. Like the benefit is that a kid will feel comfortable in their gender and comfortable in their body. And I think that is a huge benefit. And since they are reversible, there is not that much damage that can be done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, trans youth need these treatments. They're usually given to help alleviate gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria is an incongruence between one's assigned gender at birth and their gender identity. Gender dysphoria manifests itself into a lot of different ways, and it varies from person to person. I think really with all of these laws, it seems like a war on trans people and kids in particular, which is really upsetting because I feel like, you know, trans kids, they're the most vulnerable of the trans community. And like to see these lawmakers preying on the more vulnerable, it's just so it's just so awful to hear about. 
Yeah, and in terms of hormone replacement therapy, also known as HRT, it's already super difficult to obtain, and in a lot of places it requires therapists, letters, and other forms of medical gatekeeping. And by banning medical treatments like HRT, it's super harmful to trans people because HRT helps alleviate many people's dysphoria. And if HRT is banned, many people will try and seek more dangerous methods of getting HRT, which can lead to a plethora of medical issues in the future. And it really just does no one good by banning HRT. And it's really just symbolic of the anti-trans rhetoric that's found all over the United States. If these people cared about the health of trans kids, then they would be ensuring that the trans kids are getting the safest treatments possible. And by banning them, they're making it so that these kids are going to seek out less safe treatments. Because like banning puberty blockers is not going to stop gender dysphoria, but it is going to cause more harm. Yeah, and by banning puberty blockers and HRT for trans youth, it becomes harder for them to medically transition later in their life. And so if these lawmakers really cared about the health about these trans children, then they would let them at least use puberty blockers. I agree. So, Rose, you have two points and I have one. Ooh, okay. Good game, Isha. Thank you. So it looks like you have won today's game show. That is exciting to hear. But you know what? I feel like you let me win. I feel like since it's the first round, you were going easy on me and being nice. Yeah, that was that was definitely it. <laughs> well, it was nice playing with you. You too. If you enjoyed this edition of the Outcasting Game Show, please make your tax-deductible contribution today. We can't do programs like this without your support. To make your donation, please visit us at outcastingmedia.org. Thanks.